Hey, hey, peacemakers, this is The Soul Coach, and you're tuned into Peace of Mind with The Soul Coach podcast. This is your one-stop shop for life lessons and entrepreneurship, finance, military life, school, self-care, and all things that matter. Myself and guests will share our experiences to show you that there isn't a right or wrong path for life. So grab your life by its hand because we're going on the road to contentment. Hashtag keep smiling. Hey, hey, peacemakers, this is The Soul Coach, and today I'm going to be having two special guests on the podcast, and that is Tafara and Amanda. So these two are over Operation Stop CPS. Um, You've probably heard them. If you haven't, sit down and put your headphones in, tune in, and definitely get the information that they're going to be giving out. So I'm going to give you a little brief overview of what Operation Stop CPS is. It is a choice to be the solution to the systematic oppression plaguing the children protection system. Operation Stop CPS is a movement to protect families from the child protection system. The movement focuses on exposing the harms of CPS and creating change campaigns for families that are currently forced to interact with the system. Operation Stop CPS was founded by two seasoned pros in the field of child protection while working on the front lines protecting children from abuse and neglect. They they simultaneously work to protect families from the oppressive child protective protection system. The blinders were removed and they both saw the problem. The misunderstood and unchecked power of the child protection system. That makes parents and caretakers fearful that their children will be taken away, causing them to comply and consent to the unlawful oppressive laws and policies. Operation Stop CPS's goal is to educate the to educate um, society on the child protection system to unmask the systematic oppression that has continued to wreak havoc on the lives of families. So I told you guys that Amanda and Tafara um, were over Operation Stop CPS. So their bio as reads, hi family, we're to, we're Amanda and Tafara, Tafara, and we're passionate about child protection and family protection. We know the child protection system is oppressive and we are determined to demand change. Over the last decade, we followed the policies created and implemented with the intent to ensure child safety, home visits, school visits, background checks, requesting records, and so much more. We know that social workers are trained to do after a report of abuse and or neglect is received on your family, and we're giving giving all our knowledge to you and your family. Families of color, families in crisis, and families in poverty are negatively impacted by CPS at a much higher rate. Oppression is deeply rooted in the policies created over police families. Take your knee off the necks of families. They can't breathe.
Do you want to know how you can learn about different things that CPS has been doing, the history of CPS, and how you can respond if you, your family, friends, or whoever are faced with something that CPS has to get involved with, head over to operationstopcps.com slash offers. The link will be in the description and click on the link and it'll take you over to their website. You can purchase their ebook. It's called Respond and Power. And this is basically equipping you with the knowledge that they've done their research on and they want to equip you so that you won't have to have a movement that is going on um, within your community. They also do have this book um, as a physical copy and it is on um Amazon, so you can get the paperback version. Um, the ebook is $15 and the paperback is $15 as well. Be sure to leave a rating and review on um, Amazon and make sure you guys definitely share the knowledge with your family, friends, and whoever else um, you want to tell about this. They also have t-shirts and apparel for their movement, Operation Stop CPS. So don't be afraid to show up to wherever you want to go with your Operation Stop CPS shirt on and definitely get people aware. Get your family involved. If you do go participate in some of their um their events in your area or you're just representing from your state be sure to tag them at stop uh, operation stop cps on instagram um so that they can see that you're definitely joining the movement they have something for mom dad daughter son anybody grandma grandpa anybody you want to gift a operation stop cps um apparel to so i am amanda wallace and i mean i guess the word that describes me for the last 10 years has been a social worker you know i've been an investigative social worker on the front lines you know protecting children from abuse and neglect while also trying to help parents stay safe in the system um but then i came to a point where you know my identity was questioned because like my morals, it was affecting my morals and my ethics. You know, I felt like I was being asked to do things that were unlawful and unethical. And so that conflicted with who I was as a social worker, because when I took up, you know, when I said I was going to be a social worker, I said I was going to be a change agent. And I no longer was able to do that. And so I had to come out of this system, I feel like, to truly become myself and to walk into my purpose. Because for the last 10 years, I learned how to do this job and I've learned how this system operates to take it down. Okay. And so I'm Tafera. Um, I am, uh, well, people say that I'm comical. I don't know. Um, my husband says I'm lame. Um, <laughs> so, you know, from, from a, um, personal standpoint, I'm a mom, um, I'm a friend, I'm a wife, um, and I'm a social worker. 
And with all those labels and things combined, that brings out my personality. And I say that because, you know, being a social worker, working with kids in this capacity, it takes a lot um, to work with families in this capacity. It takes a lot to um, go at a position where you're helping families um, to the best, the best of your ability. And that's what I did. And it was the moment when I realized that was not the case anymore. It wasn't me helping families. It was me hurting families. And when I say that the decisions that I chose to make when it came to families and helping them was decisions that was knocked down by upper management. And when you, you start to deal with how you feel inside and knowing that something is not right, you can't continue to do something that's not right. And you know in your heart it's not right. Um, so that's the place that I came to. Um, I was also diagnosed with high blood pressure and um, anxiety and depression during that time. And it, it, it was just where I needed to take a break from it to get myself together. But then that's when I really started to realize, like, we are really hurting families. Like, CPS hurts families. But I needed to get out of the system in order to see that. Mm. Yeah, that that's a good one because it's just like being under mind control. It's like any job you they tell you this, they tell you that, and expect you to be on their side against whatever competitors or people who do not agree with their stance. And until you get out of it, you do not see the bad things that they've been doing, the the shield they've had over your eyes so that you won't see certain things and bribing you and doing this trying to cost you your livelihood as far as career goes and the fact of having these things that you're doing attached to your name so say if you do go out somewhere someone's like oh that's the social worker who took my kids from me and left a bad taste in my mouth and that's really not what you guys I know that you guys don't want to be remembered for so I'm so happy that you guys stepped out on faith and listened to your intuition when it came to being who you are called to be so with that being said what was you guys um life like growing up um so for me I grew up in an abusive household um I, you know, um, well, I stayed with my grandmother, um, my maternal grandmother and my mother. And a lot of my parenting came from my grandmother, even though my mom was in the home. Um, my grandmother dealt with me. Um, I was the only child at that time, but my dad had two older children. Um, they were boys, two older boys. And so when me and my mom moved with my dad, that's when I um, got older and I started seeing the abuse that my dad was um, just inflicting on my mom. Um, we stayed beside my grandparents and 
we had rental property, so we never had a phone. Um, my dad was a great provider. He was a great provider, and he was one of those people that taught you lessons, um, just lessons in life. But his abusiveness came from my grandfather. And so um, I used to go to my granddad's house and see my granddad, and he used to abuse my grandmother. And so growing up, I always had the mindset that, I, you know, it was something in me to just like help people, just like help people. And I was like, even though my dad never abused me or my younger brother, it still was happening with my mom. And, you know, I just think about like, we never had CPS involved with us. And I mean, I pat myself on the back. I think I turned out pretty well. Um, you know, so knowing that and going back to how it never was out, you know, people at school didn't know about it even though the grownups probably did. Um, but it was a family problem. Like we, like it worked through family, you know? And so growing up, it always was, I have to protect my children. I have to protect myself, but I still learned the life lessons that my dad instilled in me. And I grew up um, in New York. Um, my maternal side of the family and paternal side of the family live right around the corner from each other. So we were kind of, you know, close. Um, I'm the baby of seven siblings. Um, so, you know, I grew up pretty, you know, my, my siblings taught me a lot, right? As being a baby, if, if anybody is the baby of the family, you get it, you get it a lot. And it, it prepared me, I feel like, for, you know, growing up and being ready for the world, right? And so I moved from New York when I was 15 down to North Carolina, kicking and screaming. I did not want to come down here to the South, um, but now you can't pay me to go back to New York and live. Um, and I went to college down here and really became, like I feel like, and understood like what I did not see growing up. Right. Because I feel like I did have a, a sheltered childhood. Even, I didn't even know I had a, a report on myself when I was a child until I became an adult. And mm. because it's something that was not talked about, you don't talk about that stuff in, in your family. Right. If you're not old enough to remember it, then it's just not talked about. But that's how this system continues to continue from generation to generation. And again, like there's things that, you know, you would think, well, maybe that should have been a report, but it wasn't back then because that's just what family like, happened in families and you work through them. But again, our childhoods now, like they, we would all have reports <laughs> in regards yeah. to how our childhoods were then. Exactly. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that because with both of you guys, I grew up in a abusive household and just knowing that this is something that nowadays kids will be like well I'll call CPS and they will throw that up at you or they will broadcast it all over social media so it's like it's either way it goes they're begging for 
CPS to come in in certain cases and not knowing the severity of how things can play out, especially not knowing there's little kids who are taken away from their families and they don't even get to say a say so like this is not right like my family loves me and it just makes you really think about things uh, about how we grew up and how kids are growing up now so I wanted to say um, what gave you guys both the push to take on the emotional job with working in um child protection so i was actually a part of the north carolina uh, child welfare collaborative because i really i didn't know anything about child welfare when i went to college um you know i started as a psychology major and i failed the intro to psychology so i said that's probably not for me um, and so I went to social work, right? Because I was like, okay, but I still want to help people. And when I went and I started doing my internship in child welfare, I liked it. I, you know, I got that hands-on experience and I was able to see what I thought could be the rest of my life and the rest of my career. Um, so I kind of, like for me, I didn't know anything about child welfare before I just got in and started like hands-on uh, training with it. And for me, I was working, um, I've always worked in human services uh, for the majority of my career. And so I started out in like mental health, um, substance abuse. Um, I was a coordinator for that. And then I ventured into Medicaid and food stamps. Um, I was a supervisor. And so I wanted to do something different. So um, I was <laughs> supervising uh people that were at the end of their career. And so it was very hard because I, I had a lot of pushback and I was younger. So I wanted to do something different. So from there, I started working at the public health building. Um, I was working in the HIV clinic and transmitted diseases. And that became very difficult um, seeing, um, especially young people come in, not knowing why they're in to be told you know, they contracted a disease. And so I went back to human services and I started doing uh, casework, just case management and Medicaid. So that got boring because I would finish my work in less than a week um, and do all my review cases. And so I was like, well, I want to do something, again, still helping families, but I want to do something like in legal um, I, because I like criminal justice. So I was like, okay, well, Hmm, let's see, let's, let's see what child welfare offers. And when I was talking about it, you know, so many people was like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do want to do it. And so that's how I ended up um, in child welfare. Okay. But what was the turning point where you guys knew that within this field after having long hours and long days and emotionally with different families and situations where you feel like you haven't exhausted all of your options. Well, you've exhausted all of your options and you haven't been able to come out on the other side because you were in the position of CPS and basically you had to do what you had to do for your job. 
um what was the moment the turning point where you're like okay this is not for me like I have to spread my wings I have to go because this is not right especially for people that you know when you go to them with the allegations that are being said whether they are right or wrong and they it's like they don't have a second chance at certain times when was it the the turning point for you guys to say yeah I gotta go for, for me, um, I had a case where I had to take custody of the child that I felt was safe. I was the investigator. And from my assessment, like I said, I felt the child could stay in the home and, you know, we could get some services. But when the case was transferred to another worker, she had a difference of opinion. Um, and so even though I tried to advocate, even though I tried to explain the law and the policies that supported what I was saying, um, leadership and that worker um, Trump, what I had to say, and we took that child into custody. Um, and the family was asking me why she was coming into custody, and I didn't have an answer. And the child asked me why she was coming into custody, and I didn't have an answer. So even though I did not go and pick the child up because I refused to go pick her up and take her to placement, I had to sign the petition that legalized that kidnapping. And it really woke me up because on, at the administrative hearing, the day that I had to go and fight for my career because we got terminated because we wrote a book to help families, that child was living in the building because they didn't have a placement for her. And so I know that it was divine for me to see that child on my last day as a social worker employed by this system because it reminded me of why I was doing it. It reminded me of why I woke up because I can't be responsible and I can't be a silent enforcer for this system anymore because my inaction is, it is action and it speaks volumes. And so, like I said, that just, it woke me up. And I also got sent to the county attorney's office um, for another case that I was working on because I stood up to leadership and they came for my job and my livelihood um, during that time as well. And so for me, um, when I went to the doctor for a regular checkup with my OBGYN, um, the nurse came in frantic and come to find out I was at stroke level. I was about to have a stroke. Mm. And so that same day, um, I had to go to my primary care physician and I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, major depression and anxiety. Um, and I knew that it linked with the job because before I left, I had two fatality cases I was dealing with. I had closed one out and the one that I was dealing with, I was really advocating for the mom. Um, some of the decisions that were being told to me to make with this mom, I didn't agree with. And so I would see this family because it was a fatality case. I would see the family every week. And, you know, seeing someone and seeing these kids every week, because it was six kids with the one that passed, it was seven. But, you know, over a six month period, you get to understand them. You get to know them. You know, you can you can tell who's the corporate or the perpetrator, you know, in the case. And it wasn't mom. And so I continue to fight for mom. And I remember the day that I was going out on leave, the doctor said, you know, well, you need to just go out on leave right now. And I said, 
No, I can't. I said, because tomorrow I have scheduled meetings. And he said, but can somebody else take it? And I was like, no, because I want to tell my families myself that I'm going out on leave. And I remember going to my last visit was with the kids and the mom. And the grandma had got really, really, you know, close to her because I was just telling her and it was it was still work. But I would sit down and I would talk to them or whatever because I knew they was grieving a lot and they had just lost their uncle and their cousin. And so I remember she told me we was outside at the dog park and she said, I was meaning to tell you like two weeks ago that you do not look good. She was like, you've been running over here when we need you. You've been doing these things. You've been doing everything for us. And she was like, but you don't look good. And I was just, I remember crying. I remember saying, as you know, I want to stay to help you. I want to know what happens. I want to be that shield against the system. And she was just like, you know, I believe in God. And I believe that God is taking you somewhere that you need to go. And she said, you you do need to to go out and leave and she was like because i've seen since you've been working with us i've i've noticed just a great change like you're you're tired and that's what ultimately um said i gotta do something different wow yeah it's definitely with the trauma that you guys have both been through because it is trauma going through Mm -hmm. this time after time after time with families and in the back of your head it's like this could be my family who is going through this and people will never know people who are not like us who are not black will never know the things that we go through and it's like you have guilt when you can't do everything you want to do and it just eats you up inside we really do love helping people when we're those type of people as far as being caring being helpers and just wanting to see wanting to see people do their best and live their best life and when times like that when your help gets involved your name gets involved and when you try to do the right thing, there's always people who are going to take you and throw you to the wolves because they don't want to see you do good. So when you mentioned about um, you guys writing the book, when did you guys get together and say, hey, this is what I'm facing. Let's go ahead and link up and start Operation Stop CPS. actually we hadn't thought anything of the book we didn't have the name we didn't have a page uh written of the responding power guide when we went out on leave in march of 2021 and it was like the day we went out on because we were both on um fmla Mm -hmm. like it was just like our minds cleared like because we said we can't go back like we have to, we see the problem. Okay, so what is going to be the solution? And so we just, like I went and got a whiteboard. We we had some meetings like at the house and just started putting like the, all the ideas that we had in our heads down on paper. And, you know, Operation Stop CPS was birthed from that. Like it was birthed from this, this place of desperation. Like they, you know, that, whoa, hold on, what is this? You know, they, they have been doing this to families for so long. They have been doing this to families for so long, but 
they I feel like treated us good enough to keep our keep the blinders on us. But mm-hmm. now that the now the blinders came off. It was like, hold on, we got to team up with parents. Like that was the solution. How do we how do we team up with parents because they're hurting just like the workers are hurting? Yes, that that is cool. Like the fact that you guys had the solution to the problems while creating this book and not knowing where you guys were going with this actual movement and just to know that you guys said you did this about what how many I want to say about seven months ago that's yeah, amazing we started about seven but yeah we launched May 13th so five months ago wow see and that's a blessing it shows you that no matter how you think that things are gonna go when oh you you may get scared because you went out on leave and you don't know how this is gonna play out but you have a, a hunger to go out here and and definitely address problems like this that's something that you guys have a a great power at as far as being um, intuitive and having that discernment that you guys can say I'm not going to sit up here and beg these people for my job I'm not about to do this in the middle of a pandemic and knowing that people are quitting their jobs because they're taking their health into their own hands. They're quitting their job because they took the blinders off and they are now seeing the corruption of the things that are going on around them. And for you guys to get together and put together a guide for families, this is basically like a Bible for people. When they come to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's it's amazing and it's literally like one of those things like now that this has come the kidnapping has become so prevalent nowadays it's like you have to have this book in your car you gotta have it downloaded on your phone Mm -hmm. so when you like literally when you are in a situation or somebody around you hold on girl let me send you page five say that right there because i'm yes we need to start circulating this book around because this is something that can save us and not only just save us now it can save our children later on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is something that we're gonna pass down i know i'm gonna get it for myself i'm gonna get it for my family and i've already started writing a journal different journals um of all different things that my son, when I'm no longer able to teach him the things that he needs to learn, whether I'm here or I'm not, I want him to be able to learn things. And I have a collection of books that I want him to read. I know that you guys' book will definitely be in there of the holy grail of the books that he needs to be focusing on so that he can spread that knowledge within his generation. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, when you think about how this system operates, and we always say it, we say it in a book, this system is operating how it's intended to operate. Mm-hmm. That simple task of being able to pass information and knowledge down to your children, they take that away when they take our kids. And if you can take a child from their legacy or take their child or take a child from their culture, you what what does that child know? And that's why so many of our children are going to prison because they ha- they're not being taught. They're not being raised. They're being raised by a system. Mm-hmm. It's, it's being raised by the system. And so we got to pass this down to our, our, our families because we got to start saying less. 
we've been taught to tell social workers everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to keep in mind that they are not your friends. I no. mean, you know, like when we was working, you know, it was a lot of times, and that's the thing. Um, I know going back when, um, you know, they always tell you, like, in social work, to always have a couple of social workers or a social worker that you can just, you know, talk to or whatever, because no matter you know, what happens, your significant other, they will never understand directly. They can empathize with you, but they never understand just that um, pressure and and that day-to-day interaction with families that can happen, that does happen with CPS. And so, you know, just going back and, and like talking to Amanda about one of my cases, and I'm not just saying one in particular, but just talking mm-hmm. about cases, and then Amanda talking to me about cases, it's just like, we start talking about the same thing. And it's like, we're, we're, we're venting about the same thing. Like something has to happen because how is it that we are on two different sides of the spectrum? Because Amanda deal, dealt with uh, physical abuse and sexual abuse. I dealt more so with neglect. And it's like, how are we, you know, in this capacity? And we're both complaining about the, the same, same thing mm-hmm. you know and so that's really what drove it home for us like yeah it's 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 time to we have we have to act we have to put this here and we will talk about you know times where we're at a home and the and the person is just blah, 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 and it's just like hey why why are you telling me all of this like why are you telling me all of this now you know if you tell me all of this which has nothing to do with the allegations I have to address this, mm-hmm. you know, so so that's the thing, you know, we think that we're helping by telling all our business and whatever, if they, if, if it's not in the allegations, you don't address it. What's, what's, what, what is this for? Why, why are you asking me these questions? You know, it has nothing to do with why the report came in, but we sit here and we tell them who are baby daddy plus baby daddy plus baby daddy <laughs> you know grandma mm-hmm. and all this and what the kids ate and, and when they went to the bathroom you know it's just like why <laughs> you know and I remember you know just looking at families and leaving like <sighs> okay they could have made this so much easier had they not talked yeah that's definitely I feel like in in a sense just knowing that when I was younger I was silenced a lot by um my abuser um as far as saying oh shut up don't talk and you're you're a child this and this and this and being silenced and then learned when I got older before I even unlearned some of this stuff I would have never gotten into podcasting and just to talk with other people and tell them my experiences and then for them to tell me their experiences sometimes people are silent so much that one they don't believe in going to therapy and that's something that can definitely stop parents and families in general just to stop telling so much business when they don't have to and thinking before they speak it's that's a lot of not being able to unlearn or to address something that they haven't unlearned um, because they've been silenced for so long and and they don't have people around them to tell them, hey, that's something that's a trauma 
the a trauma symptom. You're basically doing this because of this happening to you. And they feel like they're so stressed and overworked and they have to go tell every single thing instead of journaling and putting those self-care things in place. That would save people a lot because if you had your mind under control and your mind is not a tornado, when somebody comes and sit down and talk to you, you don't have to tell them your whole life story in two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing our black families need to learn. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to talk to people and journal, go on walks and, and have time to yourself where you are able to think and quiet yourself so that you can process everything you have going on and don't have word vomit every time somebody approaches you. Right. <laughs> you get ready to talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell somebody. So I know that um, with you guys being on this journey, um, I know you, you guys probably had some naysayers or um, people who have doubted you, especially knowing on um, your background with your careers and thinking that you're supposed to be on this side of the law and everything. Um, so what have you guys noticed when you, you were faced with those naysayers? How did you keep them um, out of your head and keep focus on what you guys have been called to do as far as like, you have you guys been saying any quotes, affirmations or um any self-care things that you guys have been doing? Um, for the most part, for, for me, is is you have to train your mind to block out things, like block out energy. There's times when I call Amanda or I text a vent and, and she's like, listen, no, no, we're we not doing this. This energy is not, not coming in our presence. And, you know, the more you do it, the more that you understand, like, people going to hate regardless. You know, we are still being talked about in our agency. It's like, why? You know, why? But, you know, you move on. Um, Amanda just told me, somebody said that we butt hurt. Like, we're butt hurt. <laughs> like that's a first for me. I'm, I'm not butt hurt, you know. <laughs> I'm just, you know, doing what I need to do to help families. So it's just blocking out that, you know, putting your energy like me my getaway, my escape is my family. Just focusing, you know, on my family. Um, doing periods of time when it's like high stress, you know, so doing stuff like that or just, you know, just like uh, taking a shower. So, so things like that. But you have to, you know, like on Instagram and Facebook, we've gotten so many people to trash us. But then you look at the families. That's what matters. It's the mm -hmm. family. When 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 they are calling us at one o'clock, two o'clock, whatever in the morning, and walking through different stuff. When they say thank you, I don't I don't know if I could have made it through this process without you guys. When they tell us things like that, and we're doing stuff, we know we know that we're we're where we need to be. So we you have to train your mind to block out like I remember my husband told me that Beyonce told um the two twins Chloe and her sister like don't go on social media looking for because it will mess you up like stay away from social media 
And they was like, Beyonce is very good about blocking out all that, that negativity and just, you know, getting her paper. <laughs> so it's just like, we got to block out this energy. At, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have an opinion. At the end of the day, everybody's going, you know, everybody going to want to say something about something. You know, even people, we have people that don't even know they they, they don't even know why they mad. They don't even know why they cussing us and fussing us out. But that's just who they are. So you just have to learn, like, you know, people are going to be people. Yeah, and I mean, and I would say, I feel like the majority, though, of our or people have been supportive of what we're doing, you know, because there's been so many people that have come out of the woodwork um, and have just said, me too, like, this is happening to me. And, you know, and, and really, when those people start to comment, like under post in regards to different families, the community checks them. Like right. we don't have to say anything, really. Like, hold up, you're not going to talk to these mothers this way. Or no, hold on, stop making judgments. Go read. You know, you, you this is not they already put this information out. They've already addressed this. Um and and so a lot of people that are still in the system that question what we're doing, you know, a lot of times I, I just give them grace because I remember being them as well and you know their their blinders are still on and we just have to continue to put out information and make these uh make the problem real by way of real families um to try to wake them up and force them to bear witness to what's going on and see when i i get a visual every time you guys say take the blinders off i'm like okay maybe this summer they need to come out with some sunglasses and say, right. take the blinders <laughs> off <laughs> take the blinders that's off funny. movement I, I, that's funny because our director gave us sunglasses yes when we when we were working because she said this is a new vision this is the vision <laughs> we have <laughs> Man, when she fired me, I took them darn glasses and broke them and gave them back to her. Exactly. You have broken, you have a broken vision, vision. of what's supposed to happen. So mm. here you go with your sunglasses. I need you to take yours off and see what's happening with yourself. Yeah, she and popcorn. She gave out sunglasses and popcorn and, and was trying to tell us about her vision. Please wow. don't talk about that popcorn because <laughs> That popcorn, Amanda, no. That rubs me the wrong. Oh, my God. She was just walking around eating popcorn with sunglasses on. Like, we was like modern-day slaves. I mean, she wasn't answering any questions. She was just like, you know, just flaunting. Like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And so we're raising our hands, asking questions. And she, lady, do you not take them glasses off? Because apparently you don't see these hands in the air. But mm-hmm. it was just like, it rubbed me so bad. It, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, it was like she was portraying like, huh, I'm the director. And what I say goes. And yeah, I'm just going to waste your time today and talk about nothing. You know, and I'm just like, look, lady, I got I to got, I go out here and get these cases. I ain't got time for this. And, you know, it was just like, just, she was boisterous with it. And so Amanda always pick on me because she'd be like, popcorn, waffle with pop. I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, and and people like that definitely don't deserve power because they use their power to their advantage. And they literally 
make it a comic a, a comedy out of somebody else's life and somebody's well-being why would you even go around and tell somebody oh it's a new vision you you can see the new vision but through the blinders that's right. that's wild that is so wild but um what are some things that you guys would say that families should have in place um if they're just having a lot of problems, they haven't been approached by CPS, what are some things to keep CPS away besides um, talking to their families and all of that, especially knowing how many cases you guys have seen and the similarities, what are, compared to the similarities, what are some things that people should and should not do? Stop calling on each other. (laughs) Stop calling on each other because you're mad. You know, stop calling on each other because you're in your feelings about whatever, because a lot of those cases happen, you know, for the school system. Dig more into what's going on with these kids. Stop using your biased judgments to to call CPS because you feel a child needs CPS in their life. No, if you ask, you know what, a lot of these cases can be avoided if if people just ask two more questions. (laughs) Than what then you know what they do and it's just like I don't think people understand the impact that CPS has when you call on people unnecessarily because you know you you still have that kid in mind and people have to get out of that mindset that CPS helps because they don't you know we have these people that think that these kids go to these picket white fence houses and you know they're in a better position. Well, I need you to look that up. I need you to look at how many kids are in foster care right now. I need you to look up how many kids have been sexually abused while in foster care. How many kids have been abused? I mean, Ashley's kids, the one-year-old got punched in the mouth by a 30-year-old in foster care. Tell me how does this happen? Again, CPS is not here for those who don't need CPS services you know, unnecessarily. We we need to bond together as a community. We had to stop that. Yeah, and I would, also, I would say that in regards to families, stay off the radar. Like, get off of the grid. We have to come out of the system every way. Like, if you are receiving services from the government, you cannot hide from the government, right? And so, like, we have to remember, like, that in regards to training our community we have to have nonprofits that allow people to get prevention services that you don't have to go through cps so that's one thing that i that I, we would recommend what what are the resources in your community that you don't have to go through cps in order to access those resources when it comes to um like your pediatrician and those types of things what like really talk to them about releasing your child's medical information to um to to cps or any government agencies when it comes to the schools you know get ahead of that and be proactive we talk to the school social worker if someone comes to speak to my child i do not give this school the right to allow them to speak to my child without me being present i have my my fourth amendment right allows me to say these things and so it's being proactive and letting the people who have control over your child when you are not there know you know your rights and so that they when cps contacts them they know you know your rights and that you will sue anybody that violates your rights, including CPS. Yes, that that's a, a tough one right there, especially 
finding alternatives, getting mm-hmm. off of the radar. I feel like black people have been so used to saying, okay, we're going to use human services as a stepping stone to get me where I need to be. And then sometimes whether we do not get out of that, that place that we've been in and we just continuously using it and it becomes a lifestyle, then we definitely need to check ourselves because at the end of the day, if you don't like the way somebody's doing something, you got to cut ties with the relationship. You got to mm-hmm. let that go because it's not going to make it any better. And like you were saying, um, as far as talking to pediatricians and seeing where their heads are, because you can go into a doctor's office, whether it's a pediatrician, uh adult primary care doctor and they will seem like they have your best interest at heart because you coming mm-hmm. and spending your money and running up their insurance in order to see them and they getting paid and when the tables flip and they see something they like oh yeah I'm having a bad day or I need to get my numbers in whatever the case might be of I need this many people to go this route and this person to go that route when you become one of those cases then you can't say that that doctor was there for you we have to learn how to read the fine print as well everything that you signed is not always in your best interest especially now medically there are a lot of things that people are being faced with and that brings me to my next question about what is medically kidnapping Well, yeah, it's medical kidnapping, or some people call it the state-sponsored kidnapping, and it's the system in regards to medical um, providers or medical doctors who are trained by this system to see things a certain way, and then they make medical reports and medical findings that support uh, a decision of child abuse and neglect that then facilitates the kidnapping of children by CPS. For instance, I had a case where there was the child had a skull fracture that the child was dropped by his older sibling i was able to speak to that child and the older sibling and they verified that this happened but because leadership wanted a certain opinion or decision they asked a medical doctor to write a a different report to go along with that that's medical kidnap all you have to do is have one doctor to support the decision of a cps worker and then that that justifies the removal of a child. And so that's why they call it medical kidnapping, because it's supported medically, even though it's not true. Yeah. And like I was telling you guys the other day, when I took my son to the hospital for his nose that was mm-hmm. stopped up, the doctor comes in. Oh, he's premature. So he's not up to the 95th percentile like we want him to be now you running all this test and saying all of these things and saying go he is um failure to thriving and wanting to admit him and had all these doctors come in and whispering and all this stuff and mind you when I started the registration process with the the lady who came in the um hospital registrar And I was filling out the paper and I looked and I saw, I took my time to read every single paragraph. One, she was another black lady and she got angry because I was reading over the paper so I could know what I was signing. (laughs) And then when I got to the clause about COVID and saying that if I were to agree to treatment, 
and care of my son if he tested positive for COVID or if they needed to quarantine him because of COVID, then I would not be able to see him. I would have to have telemedicine visits. Mm. And if they were to transport him to another hospital, they the hospital will have all rights over his health and well-being. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And and that's funny that you said that because it's been so many times that, you know, people get upset. Like, we're not supposed to read paperwork. Like, no. And the more that I'm in this, the more that I know, like, you have to read everything. Like, you mm-hmm. have to, like... I had to prep my husband today because he took my daughter to the doctor, uh, to the pediatrician. And it was just like, you know, but he, he's, he's like that anyway. He's just going to stick to like, don't ask him that because he's not even talking to you. But, you know, <laughs> it was just the point of like, okay, listen, this is this, but you don't need to give any pushback. Like, you know, you can say whatever, but don't, you know, do because. Right now, we're like teetering, you know, so it's just like, okay. But, I mean, that that shouldn't happen. Like, it's so many people that we've met that said they've taken their children to the doctor and they came out without their children. Yeah, and this, and at the end of it all, when I was signing the paper and I looked and I said, uh, is there amended document where I can sign saying that I'm not allowing him to get treated or tested for COVID and she was like oh no you you can just I'll write on it I said no I'm gonna write on here I do not consent to COVID treatment COVID COVID testing or anything I put my full name my son's full name and I wrote the date and the time in my signature next to it and I took a picture of that document because I said if something were to come up then I know it was you Oh, I know it was somebody else because I have this paper and y'all can't come to my phone and delete stuff. So I made sure I, I took my chance. People should do the same as well. When you see something that's not, that don't sit right with you and you know that people are going to say, okay, well, they have a, a different opinion of yours, then you should definitely make a copy of this paperwork, especially if it's something that you can, you're turning into them. Mm-hmm keep it for your records because you never know when that may come back to bite you in the behind and especially knowing the things that people are experiencing so my next question was going to be in regards to um you guys being the reason that home um without saying too much legally um what was that process like especially knowing that you guys have had your first victory with being able to put everything aside that you've experienced in the past with your career and making everybody who basically doubted you guys proving them wrong so how did you guys feel about this opportunity to be on the other side of justice it felt amazing when we got the news that you know rob was home right because just being able to hear the pain in these parents voices and knowing that they have been waiting for that moment for so long um we did like a call to action um in regards to having cps call because there was a safety concern with rob and so immediately after that cps started to negotiate um even though they had been in negotiations before that, but they came out with some, you know, with paperwork and 
it was just like, wow, they are, you are really negotiating a child, right? This mm-hmm. is what happens in the system behind closed doors. But regardless of all of that, regardless of, of, of how they, they showed themselves and exposed how they um, would, would allow this child to come out of this system, again, it was a win because they, it proved that they shouldn't have had him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. right they should not have taken him from the beginning and so all of the politics that happened behind the scenes um the win was that this child came home and he is reunited um with his with his sibling with his with his siblings with his family um and is back in his community uh, we have to continue to fight because no parent i mean they have gone on uh saisha and ty have gone on live and have said that you know, they have had to do the six months of surveillance um, or that case plan. Um, mm. And that's not what we want for families because it continues to further black trauma. Right. You continues to to you continue to be surveilled and you can't continue to live your life. So we will continue to push for uh, dismissals of petitions um, and not allowing CPS to continue to surveil our families. Um, but that it felt amazing for Ra to come home and to see him laughing in the back of that car, uh, you know, and, and smiling and knowing that he was he's coming home. He was coming home. Yeah, it, it was very powerful. Um, I remember um, Ty saying, you know, we're glad a set came home, but it was so painful to leave Ra mm-hmm. and him start crying because he wanted to go with them. And in his mind, he couldn't understand why does my sister get to go, but I have to stay here. And I remember Ty said that was the hardest day for him. Um, and that was the first time that uh, Ra had actually met Aset, his sister. But he said just walking out of there with him just wailing. And so fast forward to see the video of him sitting in the back of the truck and just laughing. And, you know, it was, it was a great feeling. And it's just like we want that feeling for all our families. Like we want that same feeling for them. And that's why, again, just fighting for that. Yes, that, and one thing I can say, all of these families who are going through this are definitely going to need counseling mm-hmm. in some way, shape, form. If not now, when the children get older, and it's, it's not a reason to wait until they get older, but this is something that they need to do because you never know somebody might say oh I'm in a class with Amin Ra or I'm in a class with Journey and I'm in a class with so and so and they're like oh well how do you know me well my mom said you were on social media when you were a baby because this and this and this happened you troublemaker blah 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 and you never know kids can be mean to other kids parents can be mean to other parents kids and they right now social media is at its prime and can make or break somebody's career and make you feel like everything is something that you weren't supposed to do and just knowing later on down the line or not knowing how later on down the line how this is going to affect children we need to take measures into our own hands and come together and collectively say hey 
let's put up a donation for these families to go to therapy. Let's let's do counseling for the kids and let's make sure they have all of these services in place. Let me give free services um, if I'm a counselor or a therapist or um, a life coach or somebody so that they are able to be able to be fully equipped with all of the things and we come together as a village to help raise them back where they need to be in regards to their lives and just healing their families mending them back together because they were ripped apart exactly exactly so I want to say Let's talk about some things that you guys have coming up. I know that you guys have um, the Halloween event going on. And let's just talk about what you guys have going on coming up in the future. Um, So, yeah. Yes. So Operation Knock Knock um, will be on Halloween. We are still, you know, looking for volunteers that want to join the movement. But it will be about a collective movement on Halloween while families are outside because we really want to 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 draw the attention to the fact that these families can't trick-or-treat with their babies because they don't have their babies, right? And that's like a thought that I don't feel like a lot of people think about. Like, there are moments that this system takes away from families that these fa- these parents and children will never get back. And so we'll be out passing out information we'll put we will be putting the flyer up on our social media and we're asking for people to put the flyer in treat bags or when you're out you know print some flyers out and put them out into the community because the more people know about this problem the more we can raise awareness and find the people who are ready to see change and ready to actually stand up for it because we got to stand up. We, we have yeah, to stand up. Like, we can't. We got to come off of social media. We, we You know, freedom wasn't won on so, social media. It was running. It was won in the streets, right? We have to come out and we have to protest and so that we can change the laws. But the thing is, we don't, we don't really want to change their laws because they're never going to be set up to, to protect us. We have to create our own. Mm -hmm. And that is what this mindset shift is. And that's what we will continue to push out is that we do not want them to fix themselves. We want to abolish this system and create our own. Yep. And that's definitely something that we can do. People, you can go into um, a crowded place like a mall, Walmart, whatever. If you see a lot of people in the area, if you have an Android or iPhone, Hey, go Bluetooth it, airdrop it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Do that. I challenge everybody because I'm going to definitely leave some in the break room at my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take some. I'm going to take some to my local 7-Eleven, um, my shell, and I'm going to see. I'm going to say, hey, my friends have a movement and we want you to partake in sharing this message with everybody. Let it um, airdrop in a grocery store, wherever you at church, wherever. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. let's make it something that everybody know about. Because if everybody know about it and everybody's talking about it, then we can definitely make a change in all of our communities. Um, with letting people know we're not gonna go that way anymore. We're gonna handle it this way. It's our turn to make the changes and and stand firm in what we believe in when it comes to owning our lives and the things that we go through 
So right, and where we do also you... have the pack. You know, pack the court that coming up. Uh, Miss Brown in North Carolina has court. Um, on November fourth, currently is the court date. Miss um, mm-hmm. Sellers, uh, the case in Kentucky. Uh, we do not have a court date yet. We're still waiting on the attorney general to be served. But as soon as we get a court date um, for that case, we will also put it up. So we just yeah. tell people to follow us. Um, and when we drop the dates for the court date, if you can make it, please come because presence makes a difference when these mm-hmm. parents are in court. It really does. It really does. Just just because it's it's put out there like you have to make the right decision it's too many people looking at this for you not to make the right decision so that's why we have packed the court and then we have the um mother's march that's going to be in may 2022 um we have that in uh washington dc um, so that's going to be the capital. So we are trying to organize that. That that's a big, big event, like a big thing. Um, we're coming on land and water um, from all different directions um, because we want the federal government to see that this is a problem. Yes, and guess what? Mothers move mountains, so mm-hmm. we ever, everybody get together. Whether you're a, a a biological mother, a godmother, a, a play play mother, play, play, to anybody, mother, anybody, exactly, mother. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to have kids of your own to be a mother. Come in and definitely be a part of the movement. If you are some people who want to get involved with this, definitely reach out to them on their social medias and let them know you're interested. Sponsors, um, if you don't physically want to be present, say, hey, we'll donate for this and this and this. We'll donate some some shuttle buses to get mothers to and from in regards to this march we'll donate waters to mothers who are outside so anything could help this movement and if you don't know somebody then somebody else knows somebody who wants to definitely take um partake in this don't miss out on history because you want to be a part of their story and I'm, you know what I'm talking about when I say their story. Mm-hmm. Don't be on the other part. Don't be on the other side of the story thinking that you're going to say, oh, yeah, I was there. I experienced that. No. Come be a part and show your part and do your part so that you can say and stand firmly in your word and say, hey, this is something that I, I partook in, whether it was something I believed in or not. I definitely made a change by um, reaching out to them and and being able to be part of this. Yeah, because I mean, we are in George Floyd times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And if we remember that moment when that verdict was about to come out, and I think everybody was holding their breath, and you, I mean, the news panned to all of these locations where people were in the streets, and I remember looking to my family and saying, they better make the right decision, or it's going to be a problem. <laughs> They thought they thought last summer was a problem. Right. And so that is what if we are not ready to have George Floyd moments across this nation for our babies, we are not ready to 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 really blaze a trail because we can't wait for them. We can't wait for change any longer. Miss Sellers right now is sitting at home without Zephaniah. Like these are real people. Yes. Real people. That, that that don't have their babies 
And I can't even imagine. Well, I can't imagine what when my son was in the NICU for eleven days after I had him, and just coming home. And initially, I'm like, okay, he's gonna be okay. Maybe they say he'll come home tomorrow, and then maybe another day, and then another day. And it's like you see all these people leaving the hospital with their babies and posting pictures of them with their babies. Sometimes we definitely need to reach out to mothers and just say, hey. I'm sending my baby's love to you because your baby is not there with you. Mm-hmm. And just show mothers that you definitely care about them in these times because you never know what words of encouragement or the kind thoughts or suggestions may help a mom feel better when they have a moment when they're down. So we definitely have to come together. If you're not physically doing something, you can definitely um, do something by saying something or liking a picture, sharing a post and just, just doing what you can to make sure that this mother knows that her story is your story and you're a part of the change. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're, I was going to say, where do you guys see um, Operation Stop CPS in the future beyond 2022? Whew. Every In every state. Every in international, one of them. Every one of them. On every, we went to New York week before last, and we said, in Times Square, we are going to put on those billboards, Operation Stop CPS, and then we're going to put the director's name and picture on those like we we're not just talking like we we are about to do billboard like that that's that's the big picture like we we yeah <laughs> it's it's woo I can't yeah. even excited because yeah. it's exciting because it's we're building communities like it is back we're we're taking it back from system to community and being able to go across up this country and say. What are you willing to do to protect these children? Because before we could tell them we got it, we got to really have it. And so, like, that is what's so exciting about building these Operation Stop CPS responders in every state that know how to, one, what is really abuse and neglect, right? And how do you connect people with resources before CPS comes? And then how are you able to communicate with CPS to protect the family? Because- when you are in the fight of your life for your child, you should not have to be the one having to go back and forth. But if you have a responder that you can call that knows what to do, it helps you tremendously. So that's how we want to be able to come and respond in power for families. Just so that people can get to know you guys a little bit better. I have some fun questions um, to take you guys out of your element of superheroes. Um, well, she rose, shall I say, um, and give you a chance just to be you. So what is you guys' favorite ice cream? Uh, I would say with me, it would probably be cookies and cream. Okay. And Amanda, oh, did we lose Amanda? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so when she logs back on, I'm gonna get her her answer. But when I okay. edit it, I'm gonna um end up just cutting out the part of us talking right now until she actually logs back on. Um, 
And then I wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to send over the um, flyer to you guys tonight before I go to sleep. And then um, the podcast will air tomorrow at 4 p.m. Okay. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear yeah. you. Sorry, <laughs> Ashley called me. Mom called me and <laughs> muted me. Oh, it's okay. So um, she ended up saying her favorite ice cream was cookies and cream. What is your favorite ice cream? So mine is kind of a mix. So I like butter pecan, and then I like to chop my chocolate chip uh, cookies up in it. I call it chocolate peak. <laughs> I call it chocolate peak. Oh, <laughs> you. Oh, you may you. be on to something. You may yeah. have to. You may have to create that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tag that, right? <laughs> it was never gonna be a simple answer, right? <laughs> okay. Um, what is a show you guys may be currently binge watching on Netflix, Hulu, or any other like network? Huh, the last I feel like show that I binge watch was well, it was that um, was it Manifest something like that? Oh, it was yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, I don't tend to watch TV. I don't remember the last time I turned the TV on, but. Um, that was the last one with Manifest. Yeah. Um, mine was them, and that was a recommendation by Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I binge watched that. Yeah, see, I haven't watched them just yet. Um, I started watching Manifest, and then we stopped. Every other show that came on, we just kept watching. Um, right now, I'm currently binge watching um Squid Games. We're almost done with it. <laughs> I heard about Squid Games. Yeah. And just to throw it out there, my favorite ice cream is cookie dough. So okay. I'm the one. I have to have the perfect kind of cookie dough ice cream. I just can't have, oh, the store brand. I have to have something that's similar to gelato. Um, <laughs> because I, I don't like when my ice cream get freezer burned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then the the um cookies and cream, um, not the cookies and cream, the cookie dough starts to taste like uh, just nasty. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't keep eating this. And it gets hard. So, yeah, I got to have some good quality cookie dough ice cream. Um, let's see. What is you guys' favorite holiday? Christmas for, for me. me it's, yeah, Christmas. Because <laughs> uh, my birthday is the day after Christmas, so Christmas. Okay. Okay. Well, that that is something. I feel like everything seems more homely around Christmas to me. But I have said that this year, me and my family, we are. Definitely taking a step back from the traditional holidays and we're creating our own. So um, I think Christmas is going to be our self-care day and mm-hmm. we're going to just indulge self-care and um, get each other items that are around self-care and not have a Christmas tree or anything. Just to do something different and really stick to something that means something to us. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. What is you guys' favorite book to read? Responding Power. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> okay, what's your second favorite book to read? <laughs> the Bible. Okay. What about yeah. you, Amanda? Um, what was I reading? I was reading uh Rich Dad Poor Dad. 
um, recently. And that's just to, I think in regards to like this mindset shift of being able like financially, because I think that that's the way that they, this system keeps us oppressed as well. So just being able to um, Mm -hmm. change how we financially look at things. Right. Okay. Yes. And one thing that just popped in my head, it may like, I don't know. I just, I'm one of these people that like ideas just pop in my head, like literally all day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just thought of this idea that you guys could possibly do like a, library for your moms um books that you think that they should read up on especially when it comes to something that they are being faced with besides your book um just having books that they can check out if it's something that they can't financially afford um Mm -hmm. and just have people to donate different books like the black's law dictionary um and different medical books and different books about self-care and Mm self-help this is something that people can say oh well I know they helped me this way but they fed my soul by being able to give me some knowledge that Mm -hmm. I can say hey during my time this is something that helped me get through what I was going through based off of learning and and just being open to knowing how to speak and and talk about different things especially when being in a different position um that you are not usually faced with Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I definitely like that idea. Yeah, I do too. Uh, mhm. <clears throat> okay. Being have different resources for for parents because there is definitely a storm. It's definitely a journey, and being able to have resources to go to is definitely helpful. Yeah. Yes. And where can you guys be found on social media and just on the internet altogether? Well, you can find us on Instagram at, at Operation Stop CPS on Facebook, Operation Stop CPS, <laughs> <laughs> and our website is www.operationstopcps.com. We tried to keep it consistent for everybody. If you Google us and put Operation Stop CPS, it should bring you to our social media and our website as well. Yeah. Okay. So I do appreciate you guys for coming on my podcast and sharing your story, letting us know the journey of Amanda and Tafara and Operation Stop CPS and just looking forward to seeing in the future where you guys are going to be going, um, especially knowing that you're forever changing so many lives um, that are around you um, and you guys are just truly a, a blessing to other people. Um, just being able to be courageous and saying that I'm going to fight this battle for you. You can just sit down and just wait until we're ready for you to claim the prize of your child being back in your arms. Um, even though it, it shouldn't be like this, but this is definitely something that you guys, we all are just so appreciative of. Um, you guys being so courageous and brave especially in these times yeah we definitely appreciate you know you for you know giving us space to talk you know at this at your on your platform because this story needs to be told and this problem needs to be exposed um so definitely you know we there there needs to be more people like you (laughs) especially in this world that are that see something and do something uh we can't just continue to see it and not and not act so we appreciate you as well yeah thank you thank you and
that I'll say, this is Amanda Tafair with Operation Stop CPS. And you're listening to Peace of Mind with the Soul Coach.